as ever, I can tell you that. <laughs> putting our hands on passes and balls. and Receivers, uh, they couldn't catch a cold if it was the middle of February. Well, well I don't get it. I get a day cold. It's no good! He missed it. it! He missed it! Drop it on my feet next time. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 43 of the Soda City Sit-Down. And this might be our most favorite episode that we're going to record so far. We've had... Our first episodes with football season, we had last week our first episode after a win, but this is our first episode after a big win, and I am so excited. What? I'm just saying, is it? Is it a big one? A ranked team? Oh, oh, get out of here, dude! Get out of here! No, don't be your classic. I might. might Your other fan base talking about we're not even that good. You're ranked number fifteen. It was a big win. It was a big win. I think he's confused what we is, you know, being that Auburn guy. Yep. Yep. Hitting hitting the same same joke. Yeah. I know. He just got his dick kicked in this weekend and he's so careful. How about that? A back to back victory podcast. A back to back to back? When's the last time that's happened? I have never. Well, in our well, history, never. Yeah, never. Never for us. <laughs> back-to-back wins. Back-to-back wins for South Carolina. Uh, it didn't happen last year. Yeah. That's for sure. And it probably happened the year before that. I Wait, mean, it did happen last year. Kentucky, say, Georgia. Yeah, I was about to say. Did it? Yeah, because it was 3-3 three three oh, after damn that. Damn it, right? Tyler. Let's just, let's just restart the podcast and try again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tyler. Well, okay, sorry I've erased a lot of last year except for that Georgia one out of my memory. Yeah, that's that's honestly fair. <laughs> so you're telling me snap well, the, the Kentucky streak, the Kentucky streak, and the and Georgia, Georgia win. And beating yeah, Georgia. Not two of the most memorable wins of your time as a student here. Okay, if those were back-to-back weeks, I also spent some time in New Orleans around that time. So, wow. you know, that Ooh, true. <laughs> we, we know how New Orleans can make you forget. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. but No excuse. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, massive week for the Gamecocks because not only did we pick up a massive win against Auburn, yeah, Hear that? A massive win. There he goes again. We had some massive news about Jalen Brooks being freed by the NCAA. It happened today, uh, Wednesday, in practice. The video that Carolina football put out was just so good. I love seeing that with Mushamp and the compliance director at first, just the excitement that Mushamp had. I think you can see a lot just how much he does care about this team and his players and all that kind of stuff. And then just the entire team excitement and Jalen Brooks' individual excitement when the news was broke by Muschamp. Imagine not being excited about that transfer in the first place and then <laughs> being excited about him joining the team. Couldn't be us. Yeah. Could not be us. And, you know, the NCAA, if they expected me to come on here and just give them praise for, you know, their decision, it took so, 31 days. 31 days and he missed half the season. The NCAA deserves nothing. I will not accept that. Trash. Interesting enough, it actually also took 31 days for them to approve the waiver for Cade Mays at Tennessee. Did y'all see that? I think we finally figured it out. The NCAA system. Mm. 31 days. Wow. So everyone's really excited about Jalen Brooks, uh, expecting him to play and just absolutely be huge for us this weekend. Uh, Really free up Shy as well. And hopefully just 
really elevate that wide receiver room and, and make them. What's his place in that room going to be? Obviously, he's not not the number one. I'm, I'm kind of hoping he'll be a starter. Everything I'm seeing, he's going to be a number two receiver. He's going to be the number three from what it sounds like. I could, see him, I could see him shooting up to number two, though. Uh, I guess he, he doesn't have that in-game experience with us yet, but as for this week, I think he'll play. He'll be impactful. Dude, but haven't been 6'3 and stuff like that, I mean, he's oh, yeah. got something that we don't have right now. Am I wrong, or was Brooks not listed as the number two initially on the depth chart? Probably because of the fact that he wasn't eligible. Yeah, he wasn't on the depth chart originally, but uh, ev- everything we've we've seen and heard says that he would have been a starter. So, yeah, I mean, I'd consider him probably the number two or three right now. But so, certainly, that's... certainly good to see. Um, we we also just some housekeeping stuff. We have an interview later with uh, Preston Guy from TigerBait.com, and uh, he he kind of breaks down the LSU games. So that's exciting. Um, and then you know just want to send out our normal uh, pleas for. The rates, reviews, subscriptions, uh, follow us on Apple and Spotify. And uh, remember that we're at Soda City Sit Down on our Twitter and Instagram. And so all of that would help us get our name out there. Yeah, definitely. Like our Twitter is, is, is the thing to check out. We had a lot of, lot of traction on our Twitter. Some memes people try and say my memes are cringe. The people say that they're good. Well, we I got mean, other accounts stealing your memes, so yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's God. enough to prove that I make good memes. No, yeah. Also, maybe our fans are just what we, what we criticize, but yeah. Oh, Clayton killed it. I won't hear otherwise. Thank you. Yeah, I was. I will hear no criticism this weekend. But uh, but do we want to dive right into some post game post game breakdown of this big win, this massive win, Marino? Yeah, yeah, I'm down. I, I got a lot. I got a, a statement I want to make. So well, let's lead off with that from the Auburn side, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Part out of the way. Because, because I know there have been some contention just as, as fans between us on like what we thought was the problem with Auburn or how we thought the game went. Chad Morris is a big thought for all of us in terms of in terms of the offense. I actually had to figure out who was running the offense for Auburn. I never know week to week. It was definitely. Looking back on it, it was a Chad Morris run offense. It was very West Coast, throw first, run second type of offense, which Gus Malzahn is very much a run. Auburn fast, Auburn physical is a slogan for that. So it was definitely Chad Morris's offense. Was it was it good? Um, I don't think it was very good. I don't think it was a I think they had some problems. Uh Bo Nix looked pretty broken. Oh, just before you continue, I just have to quick I just want the people to know that Devin last season thought Chad Morris was a good coach. Yeah, listen to the podcast last Carolina. week, bud. Well, I did. well, I, I got to get to that because I don't necessarily think it's Chad Morris's fault because, <laughs> I mean, Bonix did not play well. He The thing is, he leaves the pocket really early and he misses chances downfield as a result. He Whether that's because he's getting pressured by what, which was a really good Gamecock defense. I'm, against, I'm not going to lie. I don't think he... Stay like I don't think he left the pocket too early much last week. I thought no, I he thought definitely he was, did. He, he just did. aimed the ball at the ground a lot. Yeah, no, he just targeted our only good uh, secondary player yeah. that was playing in this game, and and, and also targeted him it, like nine times. And if his first option didn't work, he would just run. Yeah, no, that's absolutely what happened. Well, there was a lot of times where it did feel like the times that he was the most dangerous was when he did sit in the pocket, and it seemed like he was like there forever. And I was like just tackle him like get to him and we never did and then he just 
ran and would get like a first down. Right. But as much as he did that, he also ran out of the pocket when he didn't need to or when he was getting pressured a lot, which, I mean, gave them yards half the time, but also just he was really sporadic and couldn't do much on offense. And I think Seth Williams was a problem, too. I mean, if I'm going to say Bo Nix was a problem, Seth Williams was, too. He had a big attitude on the sidelines. And I think he was four of 12. I mean, Horn did a great job. So I mean, even have four. Yeah, I think so. I think I saw his four of 12, maybe. But I mean, it's still not good. And we saw him bickering on the sidelines and everything. He's reminding me a lot of a guy who played for Auburn a couple of years ago in 2014 called Duke Williams. And he was kicked off the team because he, he was just so toxic. And I don't think Seth Williams has earned the right to be talking smack like in this case, Shy Smith did. Because he, I don't know, man. But I think everything revolves around Gus Malzahn just not being able to develop quarterback talent. We've seen it time and time again. Nick Marshall came in as a defensive back, turned quarterback, like was a total hybrid, like did really well in 2013. And then 2014, I want to say like Gus Malzahn got to him, coached him and tried to get him to like kind of play by his system and just did not work. Jared Stidham, one of the top, dual threat quarterbacks coming uh, as a transfer from a really, really good Baylor offense before the Art Bryle scandal came in, played really, really good his first year, and then spent some time under Gus Malzahn's system, started looking really bad. Bo Nix, really five-star recruit, has a lot of records in Alabama in high school. I think he's still a good player, but I think spending any time under Gus Malzahn is going to hurt you a lot. And so that's why I'm like, I mean, if Chad Morris had any other quarterback, like if Chad Morris had a great quarterback, I mean, it's hard to say, but if you had a great quarterback, he would have probably done fine. Fact of the matter is they still were only one drive away and had 400 yards of offense. So it's hard to say it was Chad Morris's fault when they Wait, had that much offense. Has Chad Morris ever beaten South Carolina? Ooh. Uh, is he still at Clemson when they got their first win? I, mean, I don't know. That would be something to look up, though. Well, I'll, I'll get back to that. Y'all go ahead. So all I'll say is there's a lot of Auburn fans being delusional and being, I mean, it is a rough season, but Auburn fans don't know what the hell they're talking about, man. They're, they're some of the worst fans I've ever seen out of any other fan base. They're, they, they're just either on one side, they're either sunshine pumpers or on the other side, they're doomers. And I'm trying to give the most unbiased view of the team. So that's kind of where I'm coming. Chad Morris has not beaten South Carolina. Before we get into the bad here for the Auburn game, Chad Morris, they still put up 450 yards of offense. Yeah. To our 290. They and still the only targeted our best quarterback. Clayton, shut up. Let me talk. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Auburn had 450 yards of offense, and South Carolina only had 290. And that was with their three picks. And Auburn, statistically, well before Chad Morris, has been one of the worst red zone offenses in the SEC. Yeah. So you can't tell me that's all Chad Morris, especially when he's putting 450 yards up on our. Well, how do you explain Arkansas being good now without it's his him? players? Chad Morris recruited those players, right? Yeah. Yeah, Chad Morris also held back those players. That's three classes there at Arkansas now. They also have Felipe Franks as a quarterback now. Oh yeah, he's real good. I'm I'm just saying, like he didn't better it's than not who they really, had. Yeah. Well, I I'll just say it in the in the first half as as we kind of go through the game, I was a little worried. To say the least, we really couldn't stop them. Tank Bigsby, really the whole game looked fantastic. And he that's one thing we, we talked a lot about last week is we were worried about. He he looked good. The run Him defense, and DJ Williams looked yeah. really good. And and so it, it just kind of flipped. I, I do think once I, I was very confused about the strategy to go after Horn over and over again, whether that's on Gus or Morris. Uh, regardless, uh, you kind of expected more from both Bo Nix and that receiving core, but 
you know, early on they, they were moving it kind of at will on us. And then the, the secondary really locked in in the second half. And you, you could tell because all of those first reads that Bo Nix had were getting taken away. And when that happened, he was, he was scrambling, which sometimes really worked for him, but other times didn't. And then when, when he tried to throw on the run like that, that's when we really made our money on those picks. And he would and underthrow, he would overthrow. It was really yeah. I will say, I feel like in terms of the game, it felt more like Auburn lost the game than South Carolina winning the game just based on the interceptions from Auburn. Because like without those interceptions, yeah, anytime there's that many turnovers, yeah, that can really play out. It was it was still one drive away. And without those turnovers, I don't know if they would have won. Uh, it wasn't one drive away because they had to get eight to just tie it, and then they would have needed overtime. I mean, that's that that's one drive away from not losing. Yeah, that's one drive away from not losing, but then they still would have had to have another drive in overtime to win. So we also went to been playing prevent up ten or up eleven. Yeah, which is why they got down the field march so easily. Yeah, I mean, I don't deny that, but at the same time, like, I don't like that type of play. I don't. I just, I'm not a huge fan of that because I mean, it might have worked against Auburn, but any other team also could take advantage of that too. I don't disagree. Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm not saying it wasn't a close game because it definitely was, and the turnovers were. It was also just 450 yards huge, on offense. Huge difference. Yeah. Auburn I played just, well minus the turnovers. I think that comes down to coaching too, and, and that's we'll get to that. But I, I kind of want to just jump into this good, bad, and ugly. And I, I've kind of made J.C. Horn good, bad, and ugly. J.C. Horn is in his own class. Uh, that's 100% true. Clayton's all about interrupting today. What's going on? Yeah, what is up with this? <laughs> but at least that one was like 100% true. Yeah. J.C. Horn was a god. Like, I... That was just an incredible performance by him. I, I can't say enough. Yeah, I mean, it's finally glad he broke out, got his first interception, first two interceptions. You know, it's been about time. Good to see him get those. What and happens you know, when you actually throw at him? They were talking right? about, like, I, I think there was an SEC Network segment with Mukwamu talking about, like, when JC gets his first pick, we're going to have a party. And, like, I felt, like, almost overcome with emotion when I saw that it was him that picked it. It just it just really hit me like that. That dude's been so good for us. He has been one of the best corners we've had and it, he's finally getting all the press and all of the good words that, you know, I feel like us as, as close followers of this team, we all knew Horn was, was the best corner on this team. Like McQuam got his, his picks last year and like had his moments for sure. And is a good player in his own right. But Horn is just that guy when it comes to lockdown guys. And and that's why it's it's just so surprising that they kept going after him. Because, like, if you're J.C. Horn, you're like, oh, please keep throwing it at me. It does not matter. Yes. And literally gave up that one long catch, which was a really good individual effort from Seth Williams. And he showed that he is a talented guy because I, I, I do believe he's a very good receiver. But even that was like really tight coverage and really well played. And like, I, I really don't think you could ask more from what JC Horn has done all season. Today, he just, he was, he just kept getting targeted and, and you saw how that went. It was really cool to see him get the recognition for it too. He was what the National Defensive Player of the Week, right? Absolutely. Yes, was, yeah. It was really cool to see him get that. I don't think he's going to get many uh, more targets towards him the rest of this year. Yeah, which is. That was already a fluke to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Lane Kiffin might try. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. Lane Kiffin's got the balls to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another, another big pro from this game that I took away was Keir Thomas. He came back, had two sacks. And, you know, I noticed in this game, 
we made an effort to not blitz as much. We only rushed four. And both of Kier Thomas' sacks, I believe, were not on blitz packages. So that was nice to see. And it's actually kind of weird. We, you know, we've been a little worried about rushing the passer, but every game we've had exactly three sacks so far. So I believe that all of his sacks were on scrambles, right? Where I mean, they weren't like big, long sacks, like ten-yard sacks. No, no, no. They were, they were, yeah, they were close to the line of scrimmage. They kept them in the pocket, and they were kind of just in the pocket. He didn't have anywhere to go. And that's just that's that's great from Keir Thomas, and I'm glad he got back in because he was out last game. That's also just on the entire D line for just keeping their edges and like knowing their assignments on that play. So I was pretty happy with how they did from a pass blocking standpoint. And can we also talk about Shy Smith? Like we've talked about him every week. I don't I don't know if any of us made the statement preseason that we were thinking Shy Smith was going to be that guy for us. Maybe like our number one receiver, sure. But Shy Smith is stepping into the role that everyone was hoping he would. Like he's right now competing numbers-wise and performance-wise with some of the South Carolina greats of the last couple seasons, last decade. There's always that one guy that is stepping up for South Carolina at receiver. And Shy Smith, I, I, I didn't want to say it too early, but after the four games into the season, he has been up there with, with those guys, with those performance, the Edwards and the Debo. And, you know, he's, he's just very much impressed me. I was very happy with pretty much everything he did. He had a couple drops here and there, but he stuck to his game. He stuck to his game. He didn't back down. Those Auburn safeties were talking so much smack and shy was right there with him. And then at the end of the game, you know, he came out on top in the second half. He was absolutely dominant. Yeah. Seeing, seeing, uh, as much as I love smoke Monday, I mean, he's a, he's a box safety. So it's like, he, he should have known he was going to get waxed. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't think shy played particularly well in the first half, but in the second half he played amazing. Yeah. yeah. I have to agree. I, I even said it in the group message that I think, I thought he was talking too much smack early on. This is this is in the first half that I think he was talking too much smack. He wasn't backing it up, and I was like, I th- I really thought that the first three and a half games that Shy had underperformed uh, in what? a large sense. No, he said that, and I, I was I just said like, that. what? I said that, and I uh, it's like I know the stats are there. I know he's got all these catches and all these yards. I'm like, but he's like the only guy we're throwing to. But he's had like all of these drops, and yeah, we had that incident um, in the Tennessee game where like he just did not fight for that first down. And I mean, who knows what could have happened with that? And I just thought like we were looking for something. I, I was looking for something at least out of shy to be that guy, to be the guy that we can go to and trust throughout the entire season. And I just did not see that from him through the first three and a quarter, three and a half games. The last half of that game. He definitely was everything that I wanted him to be and more. He was trash talking and backing it up. That the one touchdown he had on the offsides was, I mean, that was that was real man football. I mean, that was that was big time stuff. And then the catch he had on the sideline later on in the game was it was just that circus catch that was phenomenal as well. Like that really changed the script on him. And I I think you can look back at the end of the season, hopefully and say that like halftime in that game, a really second quarter, start of the second quarter in that game, you saw the attitude, the mentality, and everything switch for South Carolina football. Like I, I, I really hope to say that. So I agree. I agree. It's good to see. The one thing I do want to say, that's probably a way too early type of thing, because uh, I've seen it 
I've seen inklings of it, and I want to like. I hope the team gets ahead of it before it becomes a problem. But I know I think it was either the Vanderbilt game or the or the Tennessee game. There was like a little bit of scrim at the at the line, and I didn't I didn't pay too much attention to it. But it seems like there's been a couple of games now. I'm I'm glad Shai Smith is talking his smack. That's great. Like he had the game to back it up. But I know even at the end of this game too, and during the game, uh, at the end of the game specifically, like a defensive end like knocked over Bo Nix when the game ended, and it's just like. I hope I don't see more South Carolina players just being really unsportsmanlike because that can, I, I just, I never like players that just do that, especially if we, it's like we won two games in a row and I don't want the players to start thinking like they're, they're top stuff when it's like you, you won't, you beat Vanderbilt and yes, you had a top 25 win, but like, I hope, I hope that must champ and the rest of the team can kind of lock that down before that even starts to become a problem. Yeah. They definitely need to stay hungry. I strongly disagree with all of that. You agree uh, with me on it yesterday. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was, a, it was um, the long con. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. I might. I might have just nodded. But uh, I don't. I don't. I like the shit talking. Um, I think this team needs its swagger back. If you don't talk I crap, got like swagger back. If, I mean, if you don't talk crap, like I don't know, I wouldn't be inspired. You're like, yo, remember DJ Swearinger? And, then, D- and as long yeah. as he also as had the as, play as to back as, it up, but DJ backed it up. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see so defensive shy. ends do shy it when it's like. It up every, I literally had, said that was fine. Shy hadn't really backed it up enough to do it after like every single catch like that. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Is I don't care if you're not getting penalties. I don't care. Jaw. Like, that's what I'm saying. If you look idea. stupid, like if you're not, if you're like dropping the ball and now I mean trash, you look dumb. Yeah. And it's I like agree. when Fenton used to clap after PIs. That's the same like, thing like Shiloh would only, do. And it's my like... only my only issue was at the Vandy ha- right before halftime, where it cost us a scoring opportunity. Now, when it's costing you game, like if it plays in the game or you're getting flags, it's an issue. Yeah, but if not, I don't Except care. Except for flag, flag, pick six, flag. Of course, that's why I said stop it before it becomes a problem. And you know, Muschamp said the same thing. He said he supports Shy doing whatever he's doing. Well, here here's the thing. I have something to add here. So as someone who, when they play sports, like being in your bag, some people are the people that thrive with talking crap. Some people actually play better when they do that. I am one of those people. So when everyone was talking about, oh, Shy needs to shut up and just play the game, I was like, if this is what motivates him to play better, which he has said, he plays better when he's when when that's going on, and it it proved it. So if in my mind, as long as it's not discipline issues like getting penalty called, it's good. And to me, it worked for him. I hope he does it every game. So again, like shy shy, I'm fine with. If the game's over and they're pushing players over, I don't want to see that because the game's over. Like if, there's no point in doing that. Yeah, true. You don't need to start a brawl and get suspended yeah. for the next week. All right, exactly. Let's, let's steer us back towards the good. I. True. I I have someone that I thought really overperformed, and that's Shiloh Sanders. He stepped in, had some actually consistent gameplay from a safety, and I really like to see that. He led the team with 10 tackles. He had that Bo Nix tried to hurdle him and knocked him out into the sideline, which was which was a nice little highlight play. And yeah. I'd love to see it. I would love to see him do well at South Carolina because of multiple reasons, just because we need a good safety to step up. And also, like, if we get more of a national presence because his dad is, you know, doing South Carolina stuff, that's always great, too. Yes, I really enjoyed that post he had. 
Yeah, yeah, I really Tyler, did. Tyler, didn't you say uh, in our secondary breakdown preseason that like the yes our course guy you really he, you didn't even say necessarily that you thought he was going to be the best, but you were just like if this guy breaks you just out, like, that would be so sweet and yeah. and and I, I said it exactly because of the Instagram post Deion Sanders put on on Saturday or Sunday after the game. With the picture of, of with the picture of Shiloh and this whole thing, like so proud of my son Shiloh, big win for the Gamecocks yesterday, blah blah blah. That is why I wanted Shiloh to do good because Shiloh doing good is going to help us on the field, but Dion making pro Gamecock posts off the field is going to do so much more for us because think of all of the safeties. I mean, if you're if you play safety, if you play defense, really, but if you play safety in high school, who's one of your icons? Dion. Dion. I mean, he's he's the guy. He's and you know, the guy. What's so funny about that is five-star Kamari Wilson, he's a five-star safety, and all of a sudden there's a lot of talk about him coming here. He put Gamecock football in his Instagram bio. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> and you talk about Dion, now a whole other generation is going to get another Sanders and look up to him and say, that's what I want to be, right? I'm calling maybe, it now. Maybe. I'm calling it now. We really hope. <laughs> and I think the first step is for Shiloh to start starting over RJ Roderick. And that's all I have to say. Please. Yes. Yeah. Please, yeah. God. We have a safety. Let's use him. Yes. So, yeah. um, another thing uh, for good, and this is my last thing on it. You guys have been hearing me say for a long time since we've hired Muschamp that I have wanted to see a game that we have coached well for four quarters on at every position. Offense, defense, special teams. And this is the first game I think I can remember where I feel like the coaching was. Yeah, I'll I give mean, it that. First, first quarter is when you kind of feel out the other team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I granted, yeah. offense was tough, but I mean, the thing was the adjustments were made. Yeah. That's the like, biggest thing for me this season. Muschamp made defensive adjustments that were really good. And I feel like I don't remember that ever happening. That was That was one of the first times I think I've been like, wow, like. Like when you look back and you're like, holy crap, like we gave up two field goals in the second half. And really, and really, people want to talk about like people talk about how the second half we dominated them. We dominated Auburn the last three quarters of the game. We really did, in my opinion. Yeah, because the first quarter was like horrible. It was nine to zero after the first quarter, and we outscored them 14 to seven in the second quarter. And then we outscored them again, whatever that was in third and the fourth quarter. I actually don't think we outscored him in the th- fourth quarter. I think we had three points apiece. But uh, but still, I mean, for the last three quarters of the game, it was it was all Gamecocks, and that's really great. I mean, yeah, like Devin said, you, you get in there, you feel out the team. I would appreciate not going down what should have been ten to zero before you feel out the other team. But hey, it worked. We woke up and boom. Yeah, the, the biggest thing for, from the offensive side is uh, our running game, like. Auburn came in. They kind of shut us down a little bit in the beginning. Yeah, uh, we were second half. Bit. Second half, they couldn't stop us at all. We were scoring at will. No, we, we did like what we wanted to. You want to talk about adjustments? Like we stuck to the run, but we changed the run game. It was very similar to what happened at Bandy. They were kind of stacking the box on us, and our run game wasn't working too well. Albeit Bandy, but still, it's it's just another thing you're seeing with. Bobo making adjustments, even just within a simple thing like the run game, changing up the run sets. And, you know, Kevin Harris, he has that ability to just wear down defenses. His stat line is is nothing special. 
Uh, I think it was 25 yeah. for what, 80, 80, 83. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that itself is not too great, but you could just see he was getting zero in the first quarter and then just started rolling people over it come later in the game. Do you think that there's a possibility that with the improvement of the offensive game, it's allowing the defensive coaches to kind of oh, yeah. do their job better? I mean, yeah, okay. defense won't be yeah. as tired. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm, not the world's best football mind by any means. I mean, that's why I am doing this amateur podcast and not speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys are getting paid. <laughs> are you? I wish. <laughs> we get I'm the actually only knows about football later on in this episode. Yeah. To wrap up the good category, Kai Kroger, I think had he had a good week last week against Vandy. Special teams player he was of the week. awesome this week. He showed his true potential. And then, obviously, uh, winning the turnover battle was also huge. Um, yeah. yeah. Gamecock Barstool, who uh, also we have beef with after this week for stealing our content. <laughs> but uh, um, Debatable. Yeah, that one's a bit more debatable. Not like Freeman in fifth quarter. but <laughs> Literally saving the freaking image. Literally the yeah. same thing. But, uh, but yeah, they I, at one point in the game, I remember them tweeting that, like, God, I wish we could have – charlton back and i was like this kid's dropped two punts like on the five like what are you talking about yeah yeah so yeah onto the bad category so i know we we controlled the tempo of the game and we made the comeback but first quarter was bad and i'm so glad we made the adjustments but we're gonna we're eventually gonna start paying for some of these slow starts um with vandy last week uh, just a, a week first half and then this this uh week it was pretty bad all around in the first quarter uh that being said you know we made adjustments and i'm very proud of that but sometimes making adjustments can be too late i don't i don't know what y'all are thinking obviously the o-line was a big part of that in the first uh first quarter couldn't really block we we were trying to run the ball and we really couldn't do anything and if this team isn't able to run the ball in any capacity the offense is going to struggle I'll say that the reason why we weren't able to run the ball is because we weren't able to pass the ball, so they just stacked the box against us, and we were not able to run because of that. And once, as soon as Colin Hill was able to threaten them down the field, it opened right up. Matt, I actually don't know what to think, because the two games that we started fast, we lost, and the two games that we started <laughs> slow, we won. So I think oh, you know that's going to be our benefit. no matter what the, <laughs> on the first drive. 2-0, oh, yeah. we go 3-0. and out. <laughs> No, if, I, I literally said against Fandy, I was like, we can't score on this drive. And then we didn't score on that first drive against Fandy. And we won. And then like we also struggled like the second and third drives, and I was like, uh... Well, maybe we should have scored. <laughs> and then the same thing this week. I was like, okay, we didn't score in the first drive last week. We won. Let's not score. And then we didn't. I was like, woo. <laughs> and then we came back out and it was like three and out, three and out. I was like, uh, yikes, this is not good. But we won. So, I mean, let's go. <laughs> in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty, man. Yep. So I don't, I don't have much for bad. I was really proud of our secondary this week. D-line rush. I understand we were trying to rush for I did not think our D-line played very well, especially for stopping the run when they did run. Also, we just can't give up 450 yards, not to a struggling quarterback and a struggling O-line. Where they didn't run that much either. A bend-don't-break strategy, while it, it keeps us in games sometimes, I, I do worry when teams are are going to start going, like, going all out at us. And, you know, again, second-half adjustments, we held them to two field goals. I could care less about the yardage if, if they're doing that. 
So in that respect, it was good. But on those two touchdown drives they had in the first half, they they pretty much went at will, and it was mostly due to Tank Bigsby in that run game. And we're going to see teams with good running backs and good offensive lines all year. So that that's definitely a concern I got coming out of it. Uh, I don't know if it's a set thing, because obviously we play a lot of defensive backs. Uh, in our nickel, we have five, and in our dime, there's six. And so it's hard to really blame the linebackers there. I, I don't know if it's like a just a an adjustment type deal with changing the formations and everything, but we're, we're going to have to figure out how to get to those running backs a little earlier because there was a lot of uh, those five to 10 yard runs that you really don't want to see, especially like on those early downs. The, the only other thing is just a continuation from the last few weeks is weak receiver play outside of shy. Nobody really made an impact i mean we we've seen now joiner get the ball a couple times on runs but again we need to give joiner the ball more we need to hand the ball off to him more it seems like every time we pass to him it's utter failure yeah, he had a bad job find a way to get the ball in his hands was the interception off of him i don't think that was his fault but it's like he didn't run a very good route so oh wait but was it off of him i i thought it was deflected I didn't. I didn't think. But, it was but no, no, yeah, it, it was targeted. It at was targeted to him. But it was deflected. It was deflected. You know, it was unlucky. I, I think our receivers like are going to continue to be an issue unless Jalen Brooks comes in here and just is a. Oh no, we, we have the best receiving core in the country now. Like Jalen, <laughs> can't wait to clip that. <laughs> Let's let that be known. Outside of Shy, our second uh, leading receiver was Nick Muse with two catches. That's fine. Yeah, he's he, second week of him doing pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with with Muse being an active receiver on the team. I, I want to see Leggett show up. I don't really think Van's going to do it this year. There's a lot of youth. I want to see what I've heard about Leggett. I want to see him step up and make some of these jump ball grabs that he's been close on all year. But he he needs to start. I think making more of an impact. I don't really trust the rest of the receiving core. At this point, I think we know what we're getting with most of them. Oh, we did Prentice. Oh, yeah. Prentice was awesome. I forgot about Prentice. I told Prentice? (laughs) That man killed somebody this past week. Prentice won offensive player of the game. Like, he was awesome. I want to see the ball in his hands more as well. I I mean, that was a lot of fun watching him barrel people over. uh, My last bad is Will Muschamp. Uh, I... I really thought he was about to get us an unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, I don't know if I, like he's been pretty good about controlling himself, but lately I've been seeing him kind of getting angry again on the sidelines. And if that I love to see Muschamp getting yeah. angry. Well, I, I, think, it's, I, like I think it's funny, but he's notorious for flags. No, and that was Tom, one of like, like things I Ray Tanner talked about when we up. hired him. I agree. I think if it's if if he gets a flag like once in a blue moon, but like he can get like if he can learn how to get like as close as possible. And and just fight for his players and and hype up that sideline. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I I like a coach players. that is going to be, you know, the opposite of Chad Holbrook. <laughs> right, it's a little bit it's different sport, so different. Yeah, I, my I, I literally like my brain broke for a second. I was all in on football, and you said Chad Holbrook, <laughs> and like I like my I, you could hear it shatter. I was like, the guy who never fought for reboot, reboot, reboot. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, but on to the ugly category, since Devin had that ugly ass opinion right there. Uh, 
Yeah, we, we mentioned a little bit about Chad Morris and Gus what is this? All their why, why is all the uglies about Auburn? Sit there, sit there. Where's that? Yeah, when has that been a thing? Well, yeah, I mean Vandy was, <laughs> was the whole ugly category last week, so. <laughs> but we also beat Vandy by like forty points. That's what happens when we win. What the hell is this? Uh, the refs, I, I thought were pretty bad. Just another opportunity to talk shit about Chad Morris. Sorry, uh, I don't. Kidding. I don't know from the Auburn perspective, Marino. If you also thought they were bad, I thought in the first half there were some calls that uh, went Auburn's way that were pretty bad, and in the second half, I do feel like there were some that went our way that were also not great. I feel like there's some pass interference. Uh, oh my god, that yeah, one catch that got overturned. Or oh yeah, the Schwartz catch the at the last drive. Oh my yeah. god, there were yeah. a lot of questionable calls in the SEC refs. Are just That's why I can't really say up. anything because both sides were affected pre- pretty much evenly. SEC refs in general are just bad. I agree. Yeah. The I holding, agree, but... the holding, and the pass interference are just. You never know what you're going to get. There were yeah. so many plays that I was just like, that's clearly a hold. And then, you know, I, I point to the 78-yard Harris touchdown, which I do think, while it was properly called, was a close call. And I saw so many worse holdings on on the, the offensive line from Auburn at a few times where we were chasing down Knicks. But regardless, I, I think it, it could have been better. could have been worse. Yeah. And, you know – Another ugly is just like it, it, just like the pick six against Tennessee. We got another just like seemingly unlucky bounce interception off of uh, an ink, like just a, a kind of a freak play. I mean, you, yeah, you to Popo, you he, put the ball in coverage, so like there's a chance that happens, but it just ball not bouncing. We got the ball back the yeah. next play, which that is true. <laughs> yeah, that- Auburn's line is always pretty good though, and Popo did pretty good, but otherwise, yeah, like. It was, it was, I don't think that was necessarily his fault. He was just right player, right time. Yeah. To wrap up the ugly, you know, I just, I just want a, a moment of silence for what Shy Smith said as <laughs> number 14, little ass, and that he has three hey. kids now. So I, I would like to, to dedicate who, this. Who is number 14? For, I, who, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> That's he's, what I'm asking. He's you. gone. He's uh-huh. he's the funeral. Okay. okay. This is the funeral. He's Mr. Smith's son. Okay. <laughs> I got three little boys. That was so disrespectful. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Talk your shit. That's what I'm man. saying. I'm fine with him doing that. I'm fine with him doing that if he backed it up. I wasn't fine with oh, our line doing shit. Yeah. All right. Let's let's up. move on to the game this weekend. South oh, Carolina travels to Baton Rouge for a night game in Death Valley, the real Death Valley. Gamecocks Ooh. versus corn dogs. Hell yeah. Marino is going to drive this corn dog joke into the ground. I'm an Auburn yeah. fan. It's my job. All right. You've, you've <laughs> killed it. You've killed it. I only said uh, it once. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess just in the group chat. On air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The most notable injury for this game is Miles Brennan for the LSU quarterback is doubtful to play. From what it seems like, it's he's huge. Almost certainly not going to play. And that's a big break. That's a huge blow for them. Mukwamu is is He's practicing. practicing. I'd say questionable at this point. I, I don't know if I trust that he'll be playing. And if he is, he might be in like that limited role. But Mukwamu uh, sucks. It, <laughs> yes, sus is our <laughs> word. Questionable, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Jamar Brown, you know, he we talked about him a little bit last week. He hasn't quite gotten on the field yet this year but uh sounds like he's good to go he's available just uh, hasn't been used yet 
Obviously, this is a, a night game. It was originally supposed to be 4 p.m., but it got moved to 7 p.m. with some of the COVID move-arounds. And uh, surprisingly to me, LSU is a seven-point favorite in this game. I I can't believe that line hasn't moved with the quarterback situation the way it is. But, I mean, I guess there is the – it is LSU, and it is a night game in Death Valley. So I guess that yeah, still, it still has some well, impact. I got to say, I was so mad that this game got bumped to 7 o'clock. Everyone's like, oh, a night game in Death Valley, like it. the fan base. I'm like, why do you want that? Like, I know they might have like a quarter of the capacity, but who wants a night game at Death Valley? Not me. I do. Not me. Never. If I was going to be going to the game, I'd want it to be a night game at Death Valley because I'd like to experience that. What the hell? But just to watch it on the TV and have no no benefit at all to it, I do not, I do not like that. I don't understand that opinion, but. Okay. Well, you don't have no. To that's a that very reasonable opinion because LSU is going to play. I mean, right now this season doesn't really matter as much. That's what I'm saying. So, but it still point, matters. We're two and two again. It matters. Like we're yeah. not going to win anything for two it. And but oh. like it's it it actually does mean a lot for if if we continue to trend the way we're trending, this game this season will be very meaningful. But just not in trophies and accomplishments and everything like that. But more as foundation and showing what we can do. Yeah, there definitely seems like there's a difference in momentum between these two teams. So obviously we started 0-2 and we've won the last two games. Uh, LSU coming off that national championship run has really yet to beat anyone. So that that Vandy game doesn't really count. And they haven't really been tested, I don't think, by a good defense either. But we're going to go ahead and move it over to our interview with uh, Preston Guy. Uh, he works for TigerBait.com, and uh, I'm really looking forward to showing everyone uh, what Preston had on his end from the LSU insider perspective. He's at PGuy underscore 77 on Twitter. So uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into that interview right now. All right, so today we brought in one of our friends from the LSU side of things. He's a sideline reporter over at TigerBait. His name is Preston Guy. He's going to come over here and talk, tell us a little bit about the uh, LSU football team and what uh, some of their fans are thinking and what some ups and downs might be for both teams going into this game. Uh, we certainly look forward to hear what he has to say. But uh, Preston, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where did you work, your work history? How did you get into reporting? And yeah. how did you, you get that job on the LSU sidelines? Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting story. I went to LSU for journalism, kind of wanted to be a sports writer. And without getting too much in my personal life, I had a few things. I got a job offer in Mississippi, but I would have essentially had to break up with my fiance because she was still in school. So instead of doing that, I took a job doing high school football here in uh, Baton Rouge at The Advocate. And it was fun. I played high school football here. I was familiar with the teams and all that good stuff. I'm going to tell you, look, if you've ever talk to anybody about the hardest thing to cover there's nothing harder to cover than high school football for a newspaper the hardest most difficult thing ever uh but we're not here to talk about that so i went from the advocate and i wanted to write about college football so i volunteered on reddit's college football media team and i was literally like i'll I'll do this for free they're like good that's our budget I did literally like one or two pieces. I did one where I got to interview James Carville, former Bill Clinton campaign coordinator, who's an LSU alumni. And I did one piece breaking down LSU's recruiting class. And like a week later, I get a DM from Mike Scarborough at TigerBait.com saying, hey, it's all your stuff. Looks pretty cool. Do you want to write about recruiting in college football? 
I'm looking for somebody. And I said, dude, let's roll. Let's go. <laughs> so last year was my first year, and it was a uh, somewhat memorable season, I believe. Uh, a little I, bit. I started 15-0 and 0 as a beat writer, so I had a pretty good resume going. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you want to tell us a little bit more about the national championship season? Not only just like how it was for an LSU fan, because living here down in New Orleans, I've I've seen a lot of the hype and excitement around fandom, but also like as a reporter and, you know, getting to experience some of that closer to the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So look, let me tell you this. Um, Last season was literally like, okay, if you asked an LSU fan to just create a movie about the perfect season for LSU football, what would happen? And it was basically last season because, you know, of course, 15 and 0, uh, we all know about, you know, that they probably have the greatest resume in college football history. And they beat, you know, seven top 10 teams. Joe Burrow broke the record for passing yardage. Uh, first 6,000 yard season ever. First 60 touchdown passing season ever. First player to have 65 total touchdowns. Just an offensive explosion. You know, one of the things. LSU was like stigmatized as like, man, if they could only get a quarterback, you know, like the team that just couldn't right, score right. offensively. And it was funny that this national championship was fueled by an offensive explosion, like the best offense in college football history, in my opinion. It just was uncanny how it happened. So I'm from Baton Rouge, been here my entire life, and I've, I've witnessed two other national championships. And this one was unparalleled how special it was. So for me, watching this season, literally game one against Georgia Southern on the very first drive, I said, holy snikes, okay? Uh, <laughs> like You don't, you don't team, have to send to yourself. I don't, okay, no, sorry. Right, holy shit. This team's going to be <laughs> there we go. a lot different, man. I mean, Joe Burrow just took it downfield. They passed, passed, passed. They completed it to 13 different receivers. I had never seen anything like this. And literally from one year to the next, it's like this entire team. We, we all had a feeling this was going to be a good team. We just were cautiously optimistic about it. And then did you think they were going to win the national championship? Because I talked to a lot of LSU fans before and they were like, yeah, probably like playoff. But like, I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up too much. Did you think that they what, were going to win it all? Let me put it like this. I didn't think they would win it. I predicted 11-1 and one and make the playoffs, but lose to Clemson, I believe, preseason. But then when I saw that first drive, I said national championship. Un- wow. Unbelievable. Like one drive in, and I could tell you that team <laughs> would be special, uh, extremely special. Remember, I worked at LSU in the SID. So while it was my first game as a beat writer for Tiger Bait, I worked, I was in the press box for games before for, for uh, two or three seasons, something like that. And I'd seen a lot of media reactions to stuff. And I can only really remember one other time where the media's jaws all dropped like that. Cause fans will drop their jaws all the time, right? It's part of being a fan. Media members, like, they, they keep their cool. And it's funny because there's a no cheering policy. So you see just all these reporters, like, wanting to go, oh, my God. But all they do is the the O, but they don't pronounce it. It's like their, their jaws drop. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> first drive, they all, we all looked around like, dude, oh my God. The only other time I saw that was Leonard Fournette against Auburn in 2015. Oh. 
And uh, I, I mean, he, he I'm, I'm pretty sure they arrested him for manslaughter after that. But <laughs> they, this was a different kind of vibe because it wasn't like you just handed the ball and one dude made an incredible play. It was like, a, dude, this team looks is just outstanding. So, yeah, it was a fun journey. It ended with me on the national championship field collecting confetti as they presented the national championship trophy. It was a truly unique, great experience for me in the first year. I don't think we're going to repeat this year. <laughs> well, I, I feel like that's a great transition in just kind of like with the success of last year and, uh, you know, this the slow start so far this year. I think it to ask it pretty plainly, what what's going on with LSU right now? And what is there to say about this year's roster and, yeah. uh, you know, losing so much to the draft and opt-outs and everything? What's going on? And Joe Brady. Well, you know, you're talking about great transitions. You know, it was not a great transition has been Bo Pelini taking over this defense. That's been prime suspect. Number one, uh, fans have been very upset with that. This defense is, I mean, if you look at the numbers so far, it's, it's historically bad. And I'll break that down in a second for you, but I'm going to tell you just kind of a broad overview of the team. 18 of 22 starters from the national championship are gone. You know, uh, and a few reserves are gone too. Like the backup tight end got drafted. You know, like they they lost a lot. Couple that with you lose Joe Brady, who wasn't your offensive coordinator, but he's your passing game coordinator. And to be quite frank, we all kind of know who the real mastermind behind that offense was last year, because uh, the offensive coordinator was there the year before Steve Insminger, and it was the offense looked nothing. <laughs> it was nothing like that. LSU ran came out and ran the Saints offense. Um, and then, uh, you lose, uh, Dave Aranda, defensive coordinator. So you basically essentially lose a pair of play callers. That's what I'll call them. Cause you know, he's a passing game coordinator. And then you lose 18 of 22 starters and then you get hit by COVID, you know? So COVID has impacted all teams, but it impacts the teams that have to break in new starters, build new chemistry, like spring football for a team that returns 20 starters is literally no good at all. Like, you might as well just not play because these dudes, they know how to play football. They have chemistry. They practice tackle. When you have to build that much new chemistry, I mean, yeah, dude, you you really need those reps, and they just didn't get them. I think COVID has hit LSU harder than any other team. You know, not just with the chemistry they don't get to build, but, you know, you got to think, like, Jamar Chase was possibly the best player in the country. And he opted out this season because of COVID because he's got his top five money locked up. Why would he risk it for a crazy year? You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't blame him. I, 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 a lot of people would. Now, he was going to play. He wasn't going to sit out just because. But when he saw the season getting altered by COVID, he made that tough decision. Uh, a couple other guys like uh, Tyler Shelvin also uh, sat out for because of COVID. So in my opinion, LSU has been hit harder by COVID just because of the circumstantial situation that they've had to go through and how COVID disabled them from being able to do things that would have helped them out. So any team that's lost a lot of people, I think those are, they're exacerbated by COVID. So any team that lost a ton of people is going to get hit hard uh, by that, especially, but LSU offensively, I think has done, they've mostly picked up where they left off last year. The receivers are, elite i mean terrace marshall is a, a beast man i mean he, he's he's caught so many like like about one out of three catches are touchdowns for him uh he's been outstanding 
So has uh, Arik Gilbert, the highest rated tight end in the history of composite rankings, who I won't say because they might be a competitor, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, highest rated guy ever uh, as a tight end prospect. And he's been a, a freak of nature out there. And Miles Brennan has been outstanding. I mean, he has 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, I mean, he's been very good. Now, not as good as Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was, I mean, I don't. I, Tough we, competition. We, we've never seen a season like Joe Burrow's, right? But that being said, Miles Brennan following his shoe steps, you, you realize statistically we're talking about him having the second most passing yards and passing touchdowns in school history behind Joe Burrow, meaning a year ago this would be the best season ever so far by an LSU quarterback one year ago. But, you know, things have changed a lot in a year. Now, imagine if you took this guy who's just been carrying the team, doing very well, team's still struggling, they're one and two, with this guy who's balling out, and you just take him out for an indefinite period of time. That's what LSU's looking at now because he's, he's got a torn ligament in his hip. And he's trying to get back as soon as he can because he's a fighter. But, I mean, it's possible it could require surgery. And that would, you know, we all know what the consequences of that would be in terms of this season. And one of the hot takes I had last week when he stepped out for a play because he tore his ligament. By the way, he played three more quarters and threw for 350 yards with this torn ligament, which is, I mean, dude. (laughs) But anyways, uh, they have two true freshmen backing him up. And I've, I've, I've covered both of them as recruits, and they're both fine prospects. You know, both of them four-star guys. Max Johnson was a top-five quarterback. His dad's Brad Johnson. He's got an NFL pedigree, but they're true freshmen. So one of the hot takes I had last week was, okay, so you take Miles Brennan out, the drop-off's going to be more serious in this year than it would have been last year if Joe Burrow got hurt and you had to play Miles Brennan. That was my opinion. I got torched for it, but we'll see who's right soon enough. I feel like that's a fair opinion. I mean, Miles didn't have a ton of experience, but he's been in the program for, for quite a while. He was a pretty highly recruited guy, if I remember. So, yep. so I, I don't think necessarily that's such a hot take. I, I was kind of, you kind of went into it a little bit, what we were going to ask next. But yeah, obviously with that news with Brennan and his uh, hip, uh, what's the dynamic going to look like between these two guys? Do you want to go into a little bit uh, a little bit yeah, more yeah. about about the two guys this week and what each of them kind yeah. of presents some of the recruiting that you may have done on them. Yeah, man. So first off, I'll just just to readdress that drop off, you know, I think Miles Brennan has proved this year that he's done pretty fine, and that's without that's with an offensive line that's played pretty poorly so far. And think, I mean, just think about the cast he would have been surrounded with last year: the best offensive line in college football. Clyde Edwards Elair, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Justin Jefferson, who's now destroying the NFL, and he wasn't even the best receiver on that team. I mean, he's the highest rated receiver in the NFL this year. And that's your second best receiver? Yeah, I think Miles Brennan would have done just fine. So you take away all that players and look at what he's doing this year. Yeah, I, I think he could have uh, had a pretty impressive season. Maybe not 60 touchdowns, but I could see 45. I mean, heck, he's on pace to do 45 now with a regular season. But Uh, In terms of Max Johnson, TJ Finley, those are your two guys you're going to see. Max Johnson will almost certainly get the first reps. I've watched their film both in high school quite a bit. Max Johnson as a junior did not light it up statistically. 
He, I mean, it, I want, I just I, I remember his very modest numbers, maybe ten touchdowns, something like that, fifty percent complete, maybe a half a dozen or so. It, it was not impressive. Okay, he was more running and all that stuff. He's a left-handed quarterback, so it looked goofy, but at the same time, he was still tearing it up at combines. Well, his senior year, he cleaned it up dramatically and had much better statistics, looked much cleaner. He is a very polished freshman in terms of footwork, ball placement, his reads. He's a very clean prospect, and a lot of times you see that with guys who have, like, NFL pedigrees around them, like like Arch Manning as a kid I'm looking at right now, who above the shoulders, he's just outstanding because, I mean, he comes home and Uncle Eli and Uncle Peyton are in his ear, and then <laughs> Grandpa Archie is also in his ear, you know, telling him to toughen up and play with a broken arm like I did. With him, he's got Brad Johnson around, so of course above the shoulders, he's good. TJ Finley is very interesting. He reminds me so much of Jamarcus Russell. Mm. Uh, and, and keep in College mind Jamarcus Russell or NFL Jamarcus <laughs> Russell. <laughs> valid, valid point. Yes. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> so, just the prospect Jamarcus Russell. How about uh, that? I see. Okay, okay, so Jamarcus was a big kid, 6'5, 260. I mean, he was just huge and he had an arm strength like. I mean, li- literally to this day, I have never seen a quarterback with arm strength like Jamarcus Russell, not even Pat Mahomes. And uh, I've seen Pat Mahomes in person uh, at a game before uh, and like, when they played LSU. And I remember thinking to myself, damn, that guy's impressive. Jamarcus Russell, arm strength-wise, just mopped the floor with him. And in fact, that's the only reason Jamarcus Russell was good at LSU is he'd run around, break the pocket, and throw balls distances that people – couldn't really estimate that he would do it. And then, yeah, there's a receiver open down there. He's 75 yards on the other side of the field. Yeah, there, there he is, Dwayne Bow. T.J. Finley just physically, though. I, I mean, he, he's 6'6", six, six, he's 250, and that dude can sling it. But he, he does have some sloppiness issues, okay? He doesn't have the, the resources around him. He has never had the resources Mac Johnson has to develop himself as a quarterback. In fact, Ponchatoula, I mean, really, his only good receiver was his younger brother. Uh, you know, and they they just he he struggled to complete 50% of his passes, but he still had games where he threw for like 600 yards. They didn't win a ton of games, but TJ Finley was clearly an impressive specimen, but his footwork is sloppy. He leans a bit too much when he throws. I don't think anybody really has a great gauge of how he does, how he reads the field yet, because we haven't seen him in a game yet, you know. Uh, and you know, I don't think he necessarily had a system at Ponchatoula where, you know, his reads, you know, were nearly as complex as what they are now at LSU. Whereas Max Johnson did have a system that was more complex. So Max Johnson's probably the cleaner quarterback prospect, but probably not oozing the same amount of talent that you can see out of TJ Finley. Uh, He'll get first snaps. We'll see. Uh, I I expect LSU is going to try to develop a running game very much so moving forward. That's a good insight. I'm excited to see you plays this week. So kind of moving forward here, what are some key matchups you're looking forward to in this game? Like obviously South Carolina has some very good cornerbacks. I'm sure you know about JC Horn and Israel Mukuamu. Yeah. Um, what are what are some matchups you think favor South Carolina and what are some matchups that you think favor LSU? Yeah, so uh JC Horn is a guy I've been hearing a bunch who's pretty solid from what I understand. 
What, but what I really, really, really want to see is how that front seven for South Carolina can stop LSU's running game. It's an offensive line that struggled mightily early on. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we've looked at Miles Brennan in spite of that offensive line, not because of that offensive line lighting it up. And LSU's running game really hadn't been productive too much this year. Uh, you know, they're still trying to open it up offensively, but I would anticipate to not only aid two young quarterbacks struggling, but to aid a defense that has, I mean, I haven't even touched on the defense. I mean, I have some figures here that might blow your head on just how bad the defense has been, uh, but they've struggled absurdly. And one of the things is like on offense, they aren't running the ball yet to try to, to make it easier on that defense. This this defense, I mean, it's not like LSU was. I mean, what was the last time LSU? Twenty fifteen when LSU played South Carolina. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, we don't we don't think about that year <laughs> where we had to move it to LSU. I was an SID at that game, by the way. Uh, I did uh, Steve Spurrier's final press conference. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool stuff, right? And he just literally dropped the mic and like, <laughs> I think he went golfing on Sunday. Like, yeah, he's like done. sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, that's like, what he, he probably called in from the golf course. Like, ah, I don't feel like this anymore. Give it to whoever. <laughs> um, in that game, you remember Leonard Fournette was running. They, you know, maybe ran through the ball twenty times tops, and the defense mostly carried the load back. And that's how LSU's known. Well, they haven't been doing that this year. They've been throwing the ball around. The defense is just woefully bad, and they have to get into a shootout. It's literally like LSU joined the Big 12 overnight. It's different. And without Miles Brennan, I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily reasonable to expect a true freshman to go out there and throw the ball 50 times and for you know 300-plus yards. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think any fan or coach or anybody should say, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah, get the 18-year-old to just you know do all that. Cool. We haven't prepared him this season to be ready yet because we had a guy who was firmly cemented as our starter, and we've been developing him and developing all our time resources into him. But no, 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 no let's switch it up midweek. And yeah, no, this, this kid, sure, he'll throw for 300 yards. Like, I don't think that's reasonable whatsoever. So I think if you're a coach, uh, you know, unless you're seeing something, which we I haven't seen practice, by the way. So who knows? I mean, it's one of the things about COVID, you know, less than ever. Unless these players are something that uh, I, I don't think would be reasonable to expect from them. Like maybe like think Johnny Manziel coming out as a freshman. I, I think we're going to see a big running attack. We're going to see, a, you know, Chris Curry early and often. We're going to see uh, probably um, uh, John Emery Jr., five-star back they signed. But Hasn't, hasn't quite gotten into that starting role yet. We're going to see him early and often in Ty- Tyrion Davis-Price. That is the matchup I'm really looking. Just, just that whole front seven. What Can they step up against the struggling offensive line and stuff LSU? Because if they do, I mean, that might be keys to the, to the ball game right there. Yeah, one, one thing I have off of that is, you know, just from your comments, it doesn't sound like you're promoting uh, Bo Pelini as uh, coordinator of the year so far. I'm going to go no. ahead and guess there. <laughs> no, um, no. Bo, when he was at LSU before, had some moments where, like, uh, Sam Keller for Arizona State diced LSU up for 500 yards in his very first game. And then Sam Keller went on to do it exactly zero times. I think the only notable accomplishment he had after that game was uh, suing NCAA football, uh, the video game EA Sports, and ruining that for us. So, uh, you know, uh, he had his moments where he gave up a ton of uh, Arkansas in 2007 where LSU lost in triple overtime and 
Darren McVadden hung 50 points on LSU and they lost their opportunity to go to the national championship. Then LOL, seven days later, they're back in it. It's cool. Um, you know, just moments like that stick out to me. But he always slowly but surely made adjustments, you know, and like did enough to get his team. I mean, he, his last game was the national championship at LSU before in 2007. In fact, Bo Pelini coached against South Carolina in that 07 game, you know, and the defense had was pretty good in most times. We saw he had a good showing against Vanderbilt, but in the two losses, okay, check this out. So uh, Missouri starts a freshman quarterback, first start of the season. He started one game last year, but he got, he like tore his ACL or something after a quarter. Okay, so first full game he gets to start, 430 yards. Okay, now that he hasn't played again since because their game got postponed, as did LSU's last week. But Missouri was 0-2 going into that game, right? K.J. Costello, this one's going to sting, man. 623 yards against LSU. SEC passing record. No quarterback, including Joe Burrow, has ever passed for 623 yards until K.J. Costello did it week one against LSU. Okay, since that game, He's been terrible. I mean, they are 0 and 3. (laughs) And Costello's threw up like six picks. I'm going to point out a pattern in just a second from LSU's two's loss, but give me, give me a second. So he lights up LSU for record. It's not like they did complicated stuff. It was the same passing routes. And Bo Pelini, I mean, he could have called cover four the entire game, just zone cover four, and would have had better results than what he kept on doing, just mixing it up with stuff. And he kept on, he didn't have the Jimmies and Joes to do it because. Derek Stingley Jr. was out, you know, and like they literally were putting in like transfers from Nickel State, you know, who would have been walk-on transfers in most years, you know, but they just weren't SEC caliber. Poor, poor guy, you know, glad he got to play in an SEC game, but man, I wish he would have an opportunity to be in a successful position instead of manning up their number one receiver. But since that game, I mean, they've won zero games and KJ Costello, Mississippi State scored exactly two points against Kentucky. And I don't know how much you know about football, but if you score two <laughs> points, you didn't do it on offense. <laughs> he got benched against Kentucky. He got benched. He broke an SEC record against LSU and then can't even get a point against Kentucky. So it's not like these guys are – it's not like Tua Tagovailoa is out there lighting you up. I mean, this is not good. These teams are combined when not playing LSU – Oh, and five. I mean, that's not good. And so LSU's one and two with getting completely annihilated on defense in these games. And the, they're still close games, by the way. LSU lost to Mississippi State by 10, but, you know, it was really, I mean, LSU took the lead in the fourth quarter. They just defensively just continued to get wrecked. And then Miles Brennan with a 10 po- down 10 points, you know, got him to like, you know, the, the five or 10 yard line, something like that, and threw an interception on the last play. And then Missouri, they literally came one yard short. I mean, the offense was good, not great in both those games. Well, Miles Brennan, I mean, he's been an absolute stud. I mean, he struggled at first against Mississippi State, but like I said, 1,100 yards, 11 touchdowns, he's keeping them in these ball games. Now, what, what, what happens when you take him out? And that's got a lot of concern going on based on what I've seen this year. I mean, because you're taking him out, and it's not like you're putting in a serviceable guy who, who's been in the system for three, four years. 
No, you're putting in a true freshman who, by the way, we're talking about the impact of COVID. These guys didn't get reps this summer. So my expectations are very low, and I think your expectations should be very low because, honestly, it's unfair to the kids to even sit there and say, oh, yeah, no, I'm sure they'll play fine. No, he's, he shouldn't play fine. And if he does, that's because he's an exemplary athlete and he is special. And I think it certainly doesn't help that, in my opinion, from what I've seen from some of these teams so far this season, South Carolina certainly looks to have a better defense from what LSU's faced this year. So kind of just we, we kind of feel that as well with uh, hiring our offensive coordinator, Mike Bobo, this offseason, getting the spring out of the way. It, it certainly didn't look like we were fully there uh, yeah. that first game. We lost a lot of time there. But it has definitely amped up and looks significantly better than last year where we finished, I think, the last three or four games without scoring a touchdown. A question here, I've, I've got just kind of a wrap up here. Outside of quarterback, what do you think is the biggest weakness uh, on this LSU team and the biggest strength? And can we get a final prediction from you? All right. So let me give you a little cheater here and tell you, including quarterback, the biggest weakness has been, um, well, I don't know. Is it tackling or is it coverage? I can't decide. It's defense <laughs> either way. Uh, the coverage scheme has been suspect at best. I think one of the problems with this defense is Bo Pelini an aggressive coordinator. He likes calling blitzes. He likes doing interesting, different things, okay? And for a lot of times, you know, you just can't really get away with that. But for, against Mississippi State, they forced, what was that, four turnovers. They scored a touchdown on defense against Mississippi State. They had two interceptions and two fumble recoveries. So they're getting turnovers in these games, and they're getting sacks. But then they're just getting absolutely torched. I think one of the problems is Bo Pelini is having just enough success with his aggression to justify it in his head. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say coverage is the biggest problem for this team, despite having the best cornerback in the country. It's an anomaly that you'd have a guy like Derek Stingley Jr., who's been lights out, by the way. He's, he's doing just fine. So check this out. In the last two signing classes, LSU has signed the number one corner in back-to-back -back years. So they've got two five-star number one corners out there, and they're still not able to cover the ball. So I'd, I'm going to go ahead and say scheme, in my opinion, is probably the number one problem, uh, followed by tackling. Um, and that includes quarterback. I think the true freshman quarterback, will, based on what I've seen, I, I do think I can expect them to play better than what we've seen from the last three weeks out of this defensive unit. Now, in terms of a prediction, it's one of those things where, I mean, LSU's a 10-point favorite, I think I saw. To me, I think this is one of those situations where the Vegas Sharks, they're feasting. I think if you look at the breakdown, I mean, South Carolina's I mean, they've been pretty good this year. I mean, they what, what was it, four points you lost to Tennessee, who's pretty good. You looked competitive against Florida, who's had their ups and downs, of course. You beat Auburn. Vanderbilt blew them out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, wasn't that like, I think that was the same score as the yeah, other same game. exact score. Yep. Same exact score, right? But to me, it was like Vanderbilt is just so exceptionally bad. Oh, God. And half their team was out with COVID, too. So that may, right. may as well have been Charleston Southern or your – Eastern Louisiana. I don't even think they're trying. They're just like, whatever, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, 
that that team was just excruciatingly bad. I had a lot of questions after Vanderbilt win. Like, did LSU improve? Is Arkansas maybe good? Or is Mississippi State? I think it was just worst case scenario. Like, yeah, LSU's bad. Just Vanderbilt's that bad. And Arkansas is good, I guess. But uh, Mississippi State's also bad. And so is Missouri. And those are two teams you lost to. Like I said, I think that line they're putting out there is just Vegas Sharks being Vegas Sharks. Based on what I've actually seen on the field this year, and then subtracting away Miles Brennan, who is statistically the second best quarterback in school history, and then replacing him with a true freshman and what I expect from a true freshman, even very talented true freshman, I don't see LSU winning. I don't. I've got South Carolina winning 38-17. to 17. Wow. Wow. Jeez. Man. Uh, it's wild, I know. But it's I didn't like, expect I mean, that. No, I mean, but, like, that's what I've seen this year. Now, is it possible that LSU's defense has improved dramatically with two weeks off? Yes. Is it possible that the offensive line gets the better of South Carolina's front seven and they're able to run the ball successfully and change? Yes, it's, these things are possible. Also, worth noting, Ed Ogeron has turned this team's head around before. If y'all remember back to 2017, his first year as a coach, LSU had a three-game stretch where they just looked god-awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably, I mean, not quite as bad as they've looked in the last three-game stretch, but they lost to Troy. They beat mm-hmm. Syracuse by, like, eight points, and then they got beat by Mississippi State. It was something like 38-10. to 10. They just got beat like a drum, man. Then Ed Ogeron got his team's head back in the game. Uh, you know, the next week they go out and they beat number 20, Florida. And then they're down 20 to Auburn. They came back and win. Ed Ogeron, that was his first feat as LSU coach where I was truly impressed with him. I said, you know what? That's impressive because it's really hard to get a team's head back in the game once you go to that low of a trough. I've seen so many teams, they, they, they get down to that point and they just implode for the whole season. Like they, You can't bounce back from it. To mentally stay involved, I mean, that's an impressive feat. So I'm not ruling it out that LSU does something to surprise me. I always like to base my predictions of the future based on what I've actually seen. And based on what I've actually seen and estimating the drop-off from Miles Brennan to those kids, that, that's what I see. I could be wrong. Things could change. But I don't see it being close if LSU can't figure a way to improve these things because it's been bad. Well, shoot, I'm definitely more excited for this matchup than I already was, because if that's the case coming from you as an insider, then I don't know. We, we'll have to see. I mean, it's always going to be fun to see how this matchup plays out and everything. I, it's always fun. I pre, you know, we, we definitely appreciate you coming on and everything. Um, we always like to get hard-hitting questions out and getting, getting the stats, but we also like asking a few questions here and there that are a little bit lighter-hearted and everything. And um, one thing I usually... I like to ask LSU fans, and I've never gotten really a straight answer out of them. So for you as an insider, I'm sure, you know, I'll be able to get a little bit of a, a more unbiased, more truthful side here. Just just a little backstory. I went to Auburn uh, yeah. in, in school. So it, I, I, I've always known this question coming from my side, and I know we've got a lot of South Carolina fans traveling to LSU right now. Um, 
my question is for you: Why do LSU fans smell like corn dogs? Yeah, no, <laughs> he called it before it happened. Oh, <laughs> I said Auburn, and I gave it away. That's what it was. Dang it! No, 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 no. I just no, man. I, you know, I've heard the gig before. You know, <laughs> I've, I've I've been on the internet before. Um, right. No. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, man. I mean, I, I dude, I I can't figure out like where the corn dog thing came from. I mean, we've all seen that Katy Perry game day thing, right? But I mean, bruh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look to me, it smells more like boudin and, and crawfish. Than <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I mean, maybe people don't understand what the mixture of crawfish, boudin. You know, fried gator and all that smells like together, and they just think corn dog because I mean that's I mean corn dog. Hold up, this might be the most like scientific answer this question's ever gotten. I think I'm onto something. Hold up, so like (laughs) corn dog is kind of a mystery mixture. You you don't really know what's in there. Like you see cornbread ish material, and then there's oh dude, you could put anything in that hot dog. Mystery meat. It's, it's a mystery. Oh, Literally going. anything could be in there. So think about it. You got boudin, which is I mean, the bourbon, which is made from corn. Yeah, that's that's a fact, right? So bourbon's made from <laughs> corn. Okay. <laughs> then you got fried alligator and all these crazy boudin meats and stuff. You don't know what's in boudin either. So you mix all. It could they they could be. For all we know, a corn dog is just it's just boudin and and whiskey. <laughs> I mean, uh, have you ever thought? Has anybody scientifically proven it otherwise? I think, I think the, the story. The story is that they used to call Nebraska Nebraska fans corn dogs, and Auburn. I think after playing there, and they played LSU, and I don't know if they won or lost, but they said, "Damn, these fans are as soft as Nebraska's corn dog know. fans." Yeah, really? Where it comes? I, I don't know. I mean, I just I, I, I just saw. I've heard. I don't know if it's I, feel, I thought it was an open letter where someone just said that they they smelled like corn dogs, and then. All of a bunch, like Alabama fans, Mississippi State, everyone was like, "Yeah, you know, you're right. You're on to something." And then it just no. Became- I, I assume I always assume it was just one of those forum things where yeah, you know, it was it said once it was funny. Like my favorite <laughs> like forum meme about LSU was I, I could get risque here, right? I can cut up. Yeah. yeah. All, right, all right. So so in 2011, this and y'all remember that 2011 season? It's a shame they just canceled the national championship that year because LSU was going <laughs> to kick Bama's ass. What a shame! Ass. What a I shame! I promise you, it's such a shame they canceled it. But anyways, uh, that LSU 2011 team, that defense was just monstrously good with Tyron Matthew back there, Mo right. Claiborne. I mean, it was just insanely good. Before last year, that was LSU's best team ever. Um, well. The fans were ranting on a site called Tiger Droppings, right? And one fan just called that defense, uh, or maybe no, no, he called Paul Feinbaum's what he did. He called, which we know how that goes. He called right. Paul Feinbaum, said, LSU's gonna come after you with this defense that's like an eight hundred pound gorilla with a chainsaw for a penis. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, one is awesome. Um, Duck, I don't care what team you're calling. If you call this def- the, any team's defense a a 800 pound gorilla with a chainsaw penis, I'm a, <laughs> what a description. Dude, I'm behind it, man. Yeah, That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, woo. yeah. I need some t-shirts made from that. We need to I do something like that for South Carolina. We'll get we'll get our team on that. Man, we got a giant cock already. And uh, <laughs> exactly, if, if, if you Google it, there's actually a few like you know, uh, I don't want to call it Photoshop. Maybe like Microsoft Paint. Uh, graphics oh, of this said gorilla with a chainsaw penis uh out there so yeah i mean there's a foundation to be had with that one i mean that, that that's that's the best internet meme the corn dog one has always been like i mean it's the easy I, way out 
I, it's just not interesting to me. I don't know. It's just like, I, I mean, I would dig it if people did, they came up with something hilarious, like said, eight hundred pound chainsaw penis gorilla. But corn yeah. dog, it's like blah, man. I just, well, that's I don't why know. we have you on. So now, anytime I see another LSU fan, I'm going to be talking about this gorilla with a chainsaw penis for a defense all the time. <laughs> well, they don't have it anymore. The the, the gorilla <laughs> went to the NFL. Well, I don't know. I just Googled it, and I did find a picture of a gorilla with a chainsaw penis with Joe Burrow's head on it. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow, that's updated. That's well, quite the crossover. If you kind of think yeah, about right? it, offensively, that uh, was an 800-pound gorilla chainsaw penis right? on offense. You know what I mean? It was just it's just different sides of the ball. It just spins <laughs> a different direction, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, I figured man. we'd uh, we'd ask that that question last, just to make sure uh, you didn't just like leave on us um, after hearing that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think at this point you kind of get the idea of uh, how much real knowledge we talk about versus you know stuff like that. So no, right? Uh, I mean, like, who cares about you know like what Max Johnson and TJ Finley are gonna do? You know, it's all yeah, about the memes, right? <laughs> We're all about the memes, exactly. Dude, so, I'm uh, with you there. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we're yeah. going to incorporate this into our weekly episode. And so uh, big, big help in our breakdown of this LSU matchup uh, coming up this weekend. And uh, just want to thank Preston again for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. I got to go wipe some of these tears away with this confetti. I'll talk to you all <laughs> later. <laughs> See you later, man. All right. That was a really fun interview with Preston. And now he talked a lot about LSU, but we are, we're not going to really – get into the whole moving the change segment for us this week because we're we don't have that much time but we really want to talk about what's going to be uh the positives and negatives for south carolina going to this game of lsu so basically our first and second down normally and starting off with the first down or like our positives from south carolina i really think that our defensive line is really going to step up this week and they're going to be able to load the box and really just focus in on stopping LSU's run game. And I think they're going to have a good week. Do you think they also have a bigger week because like rocker is just going to be like on like a little bit of like a self-righteous high a little bit, like they fired my replacement in four games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like all those guys are going to be like, yeah, that's pretty sick. <laughs> that is too funny, honestly. Yeah. Some other things that, that I think could go South Carolina's way here. Um, Obviously, you talk about the quarterback uh, situation. I also think I mentioned a little bit in the interview that South Carolina is, is the best defense that LSU's played this year. I, I think we're going to give them some trouble in the secondary. Uh, with with Marshall is going to be covered by Horn, which I think will easily be the best matchup he's had this year. And not to mention that, it's just like with the new quarterback, they're not going to throw the ball. They have very little experience running this year. So I, I really think our defense could slow this LSU offense down, despite the fact that they've been pretty good this year. And then on the offensive end, I just I feel like we're going to do what we do. It, like, Shy's <laughs> going to have a, t- a tough time, I think, against Derek Stingley. We'll see. Maybe they'll try to move him around the field and stuff. But it's going to be a, a large dose of Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick, and I, I, I see us doing really well running the ball this week. You know, with how how bad that Preston said LSU's defense is, I want to see a breakout game from Colin Hill here. When I say breakout, I don't mean just play good. I want to see him take over the game. And I know that's asking a lot given our receivers, but we'll have Jalen Brooks, yeah. and this this could be a huge game for him, and I want to see it happen. And LSU's defense, as bad as they are, you know, Preston said that their two losses 
those teams that they lost to were 0 and 5 beside their one win against LSU. So I think wow. our offense will have a field day, and this is going to be a big test for our passing ability. That means that LSU hasn't played a team that's won a football game yet. Correct. We'll, we'll be the first <laughs> team that LSU's played that's won a football game. <laughs> and we yeah, won. Yikes. Wow. Because well, it's their loss, right? Their win is against Vandy. Yeah. Yep. No, they're, yeah. They're, 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 they're spot on there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm smart. I know math. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Zero plus zero plus it's not zero. all positive for South Carolina, though. I do think that there's going to be some areas that we likely struggle in. I still am looking at wide receivers. I, I know we're getting Jalen Brooks in there, but they still have not proven to me that they will play well, except yeah. for Shy. And I think Shy's got a pretty tough matchup. So yeah, I, I'm going to completely back that and kind of go a little bit against what Devin was saying. While I think this secondary has some major issues on the LSU front, when one guy is really good on that team and is going to cover the one guy that's been really good for us, that leaves a lot of question marks. And so I'm not convinced that the passing game is going to be extremely effective in this game. And then other than that, I just feel like if, if they do bottle that up and stack the box kind of similar to what Auburn did early against us, that could spell some issues for this offense. I actually don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game, despite the fact that LSU is a more offensive team. Uh, but that's just kind of what I'm feeling right now. I'm not too confident in the passing game going into this one. I guess bad for me, what I'm worried about uh, with our team is, you know, we couldn't cover Kyle Pitts. He caught the ball and ran all over us. I think he had two touchdowns and like 100-some yards. Well, LSU has a Kyle Pitts, too. Eric Gilbert, I think. Yeah, it's just like a younger version. That, that dude's really good. Youngest, younger version. Yeah, highest tight end recruit ever uh, in the history of rankings. I don't, again, I don't think we're going to be able to cover him. I don't think we have the talent, personnel, scheme, whatever. Uh, luckily, they have the new quarterback, so maybe it'll be tough. But I think that's one place that we could really, could really see uh, our defense get hurt at. And, you know, they have other good receivers, too. And I don't know if uh, our whole secondary is necessarily proven, although they have been getting a lot better and played a very good second half against Auburn. Uh, just uh, any any other stuff here? Or do we want to move into final yeah. predictions? Well, I, uh, I didn't get a chance to give my first down, but uh, I think the biggest first down for us is going to be momentum. I think we definitely have a bigger momentum than LSU right now. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm not the biggest, greatest football mind. I'm not a big X's and O's guy. I watch the game. I watch a lot of sports. I can tell you what's good and what's bad in terms of just watching things. And one thing that's going to be the biggest thing in LSU's back pocket is that they are the defending national champions. They are one and two. Well, they aren't looking good, but they are the defending national champions. So they they still well, have who is. I know they've lost a lot. I know they've lost a lot, but they they've or returning got... starters. Yeah, I was about to say Ed Ogeron, pretty much the only one. But I, I know, I know, but they still are a team that put it all together last year, and they're still fractions of that. Our guys are are guys that came off of four and four and eight last year. So I mean, regardless of what's happening, like there's still that foundation at LSU that we don't have at South Carolina. So I think that. I, I think that, that is still going to be an advantage for the LSU Tigers. I can back that because I do know 
a decent bit about what LSU recruits and the talent they have. This is still a, a team that I believe is more talented than South Carolina. They are young. They are unproven. And especially with uh, their quarterback out could be a tough test. But I, I do think they there's a reason that the depth of that team last year made it to the championship. And they, they've still got guys. They're, they're still a very talented team. And it's going to be a test. I think with a new OC and a new DC for them, it's kind of hard to get it all thrown together well. They're both in year one there now. So, I mean, without Joe Brady and, you know, Dave Aranda is the gold standard for defensive coordinators. Like, I think they got a lot to work out, but I I, I agree with what you're saying, Tyler. And I think that's how Vegas thinks, too. That's why the line is what it is. It's like, they're LSU. We're South Carolina. No, and I think that is, to an extent, very fair. Well, uh, final predictions. I can just kind of jump in here with mine. Preston obviously gave that 38-17, which I thought was pretty jarring, honestly. I I would not have expected that from him. I am going to predict a South Carolina win. Uh, I did say I think it's going to be lower scoring. I'm going 30-24 to 24 South Carolina. Well, I have a very similar score to that. I agree with you. It's going to be kind of low scoring. I think South Carolina wins 27-24 in a nail-biter. Woo-hoo-hoo. South Carolina is going to score easily against the struggling defense. I got 38-28 Carolina. I think South Carolina is able to win this one. I think they're able to score a decent amount, but I, I see I see LSU surprising us with what they still have, uh, especially with their quarterback being out. I think this other quarterback may score some touchdowns, and we don't think they will. I give us 24-21 winning this one. You have South Carolina winning? Yeah, I said us winning this one. Well, we don't know. Shut the hell up. (laughs) Shut the hell up. I hope you all play in that. That's pretty good. (laughs) I didn't even see that coming. Tyler, what you got for us this week? I got a score prediction for you guys. Wait, what? I don't believe it. Nah, screw y'all. I don't have a freaking score prediction. 43 to 0. Cox by 90, baby. We're winning this one in Baton Rouge. Oh, my God. (laughs) I like it, Tyler. So are you ready? I'm on brand, dude. I'm not. I'm not switching things up. What a brand! All right. What a brand! Are we? Uh, are, are we ready to do uh, total SEC Week Five predictions? Yeah, for sure. Do we want to give the breakdown? Yeah, I we're mean, gonna give the breakdown. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give the breakdown because me and Clayton are on top of the totem pole. How's it feel, Let's top go. Clayton? Feels pretty good. Air five through our mics. Boom. Perfect. All right. Wow. Nineteen and seven. Sitting on top is me and Clayton once again at 19 and 7. Two games back, we've got Matt and Devin at 17 and 9. And then bottom of the barrel, one game back from those guys, three games back overall, uh, 16 and 10. But honestly, for Marino being a Mets fan, is it surprising? Three games back is pretty good for him. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the hate is so strong. I was it's just going to say I'm Jack because I had to pick Auburn. So, oh man, I mean, so, he has done, he has come back from his early season deficit. Also, yeah. While we're flaming people, Clayton always does well in pickums because he just picks really boring. So screw you, Clayton. All I gotta say is I'm four and zero in picking South Carolina. I mean, I have but, at least one fun pick. That's the thing is, I was like, yeah, bo- like, who cares about boring? Like we're right. Like we're just we're right. So no, I'll give it to you, Tyler. You've had a good, you've had a good uh, 
You really uh, think Tyler's pick. picked more like aggressively <laughs> than me? Tyler's had one. I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Arkansas, but I can't think of a single risky pick you've had. I pick one or two every week. So does Matt. Well, maybe he'll, he'll break the boundaries here. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start with a, a pretty close uh, line here with Miss, Mississippi and Auburn, uh, both co- coming off of some pretty uh, unfortunate losses for them. I think Auburn ba- bounces back here. I don't believe in Mississippi right now after what Arkansas was able to do to them. I I think it could go either way. I think it's going to be a close one, but I've got Auburn. I don't think Auburn can drop another game. Uh, um, and then if, if they do, it would just it would go to hell, I think. So I'm going with Auburn. I've got I, Auburn as well. I don't think they're that bad of a team. I think if they just clean up the turnovers, they'll be good. I told you I told y'all last week that this was like a must win for them to be able to do anything this season. And now it's not even a must win. It's it's I must keep my job for Gus Malzahn. So I know after that game, he was probably in the locker room shouting at the players for probably 20 minutes. So I I see them bouncing <laughs> back big time here. Yeah, you know, uh, Bo Nix has had two bad performances in a row. There ain't no way in hell they are not going to run the ball down Ole Miss's throat. I got Auburn. Yep. I, I really don't know. Like, I, I kind of want to lean towards Ole Miss because I, I think that they have a better chance of being, like, an offense. But they also got beat by Arkansas last week where, we like, Auburn got beat by us. And I think that we are better than Arkansas. I still think we're better than Arkansas. Um, that I, I'm gonna go with Auburn because I do think that they have they're more well equipped to bounce back. Uh, I, I think that Tank Bisbee is gonna be like a big key factor in that. But I I mean I'm not gonna be surprised at all if Ole Miss like routes Auburn or something like that. All right, then we got uh Tennessee versus Alabama. Alabama's look so dominant. I'm just gonna go ahead and ask: Is anybody taking Tennessee? Probably Devin. Hell no. <laughs> Tennessee, Tennessee's quarterback situation is abysmal. I, I think better than asking Tennessee Bama is, does Jarrett Garantano start? Which I, I still think he probably does because I, I think they don't have anybody there. But, yeah, it's all Bama, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, how mad, like, Mad Saban would be if if Tennessee won? I mean – that I, I just like to think of the hypotheticals like that, just picturing what that would look Ravens like. Marino, Marino would probably laugh his ass off, but it, it would is. make this season much better. Yeah. Well, well let's just go ahead and get to our, our yeah, final SEC game. Uh, we got Kentucky and Missouri. I think this one is actually this is the closest one. All could be kind of close. No, but I, I'm still gonna go with Kentucky. I think Mississippi Auburn is gonna be closer, but I'm gonna go with Kentucky as well. I think they're on a higher hot streak right now and just i don't think missouri's offering much right now i think missouri's just really really bad right now kentucky they're looking like they're improving a lot so i have them winning this game i think kentucky wins the game but because i'm not clayton and i'm no i'm no wuss i'm going mizzou on this one i knew this was gonna happen i am gonna also back that i but i actually think missouri's gonna win the game because I've said it all year. I don't think Kentucky's a good team. I don't like Kentucky. Um, I think if we played Kentucky right now, we'd smack them. And uh, I mean, I'm I, not I, disagreeing with any of that. But. I believe that Missouri might actually be decent. They took down LSU. They've got a really good linebacker, and I don't think Kentucky has much of an offense. If you stop the run, I don't think Terry Wilson's a good quarterback. I got yeah, Missouri. They had a- I, I really like their coach, too. 
Kentucky had what two pick sixes against Tennessee? Yep. That's where that that scoring came from. Pretty funny. Yeah, but they scored well, a lot. Thank more you for than picking points. different than the rest of us, so we didn't have the exact same graphic for. for yeah. All the but uh, on to the NFL. We're gonna wrap through, go through this pretty quick because we're already pretty long in this episode. The Panthers played; they looked terrible. That's all I gotta say. Ravens played; they looked terrible too. Almost blew a game to the freaking Eagles. They still won though because they're not the Panthers. And uh, yeah, I mean we're five and one. The Bills looked terrible. Uh, we played the Chiefs. <laughs> we lost by nine. It was not a nine-point game. We got absolutely dominated. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. I don't even have to say the Jets looked terrible. Like, you didn't even have to know they played to know they but played interception! terribly. They had an interception from Marcus. The butt, the butt interception from Marcus May was a beauty. <laughs> Someone had to text it to me because I didn't even watch. I was actually asleep. <laughs> and uh, we have now started. Joe Flacco played. Yeah, well, Joe, well, yeah, because Darnold's injured. And uh, we're so now starting to, to dump me. all of our players off. Uh, I think we just had another trade earlier. We traded a guy to Tampa Bay. Apparently, he got in his car as soon as we landed in New York. <laughs> He was like, "All right, I'm out of here. See ya." <laughs> so, and then, uh, then the Lions dominated the Jags, as I was hoping they would. Again, hate the Jags more than more than I like the Lions. I hate the Jags. Anyway, uh, other than that, NFL. I mean, Falcons finally got a win. It's, they got that uh, firing your coach buff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, waiting for the Jets to get that one, but <laughs> that won't that won't yeah. happen. They're keeping them all year. <laughs> Uh, Debo also made his uh, return back to the NFL this season. Love to see the Gamecocks. Made Aaron Donald look stupid. Yeah, what a dummy. Uh, Titans, Seahawks, Steelers, still undefeated. Uh, Russell Wilson's looking like he's just going to dominate the MVP race this year. Derrick Henry's looking really good, too. Steelers' defense is solid. Those Tony two Smith. Look good. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That was a fantasy football joke for all of you that uh, do not fantasy follow. Football all fantasy football is a joke. I, I love it. I'd be claimed by a point. But, but yeah, the Colts made a comeback on the Bengals. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did the key and peel celebration and then threw like 800 picks uh, against Tampa Bay. So. <laughs> <laughs> he got me negative points. In a normal week, Aaron Rodgers might have gotten the flop of the week for that. You know? Nope. I will introduce the flop of the week this week. By bringing in this little sound clip. But it, Clayton came down, and he'll be down this weekend again for Auburn. But, yeah, he'll, oh, be, he'll be here and uh, heading out on Sunday to head back uh. for the, the following game back in Louisiana. And so you can see we were about to have a great tailgate this week until Matt decided, uh, I think it was like midday on Friday, that he, he was not going to actually have the tailgate. He was going to be driving to Alabama, of all places, uh, with his girlfriend to visit their family, so simp. we did. We did what simp move, as as you can know. But we did what, the best we could do and continue the tradition by breaking into his house essentially and doing the <laughs> tailgate without him in his home. Uh, if any is- are listening, I was not there. I was not there. I was also not there. Was, we knew was, you were uh, flaking. The the Tyler part was the only accurate part of my comment that we just played. And uh, might I also say that. Um, at least I was in Auburn, and when we won, I uh, I laughed at Auburn people. It's true. I went into a convenience store, and the this guy was buying something, and was talking to the cashier about the Auburn game and about they suck. And I was like, "Man, I'm sorry, guys. It it, it must really suck to lose." 
Oh, I'm a South Carolina fan, by the way. So, yeah. you know, what's really shitty is you did that. But when South Carolina came to Auburn, I, I like said sorry to the South Carolina fans. I was like, yeah, I'm from South Carolina. I, I know like, what it's like. Really you're over them. here. I can't believe it. I say I laughed at them. I, I more felt their pain because I've been there. But in my in my mind, I was laughing. I was like, this feels good. But yeah, I I, I will uh, I will apologize for the uh, for the, the cancellation. All right, quick hits. Quick hits time. <laughs> quick hits is really just Big Ten is back. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? And Odell got banned from LSU while also LSU giving self. Uh, imposed sanctions to remove eight scholarships. Being banned for two years is hilarious. You know, can we do our MLB quick hit together? And I think all we're going to do is Dude. laugh at the Braves. Yes! Ready? One, two, three. Ha! Lol. <laughs> Lol. And Astros. And Astros. I Honestly, I said earlier this weekend, I was Shut like, if, if the Astros beat the Rays in Game 7, I will cheer for the Astros in the World Series over the Braves. Shut up! No, dude, 100%. What is wrong with you? I hate. Do you hate freedom? Do you hate hate, good things? I I hate the Braves. So, I just that's how much I hate the Braves. Like that's just it. So either way, they they I think both those games went to seven, right? So they you know it was was pretty hard. Seven. It turned out where I didn't have to cheer for the Astros. The Braves lost. Go Dodgers. Uh, Revenge tour for the World Series. I took game one. Uh, Congrats on the selling of your team. Marino uh, with yeah Mikel. yeah yeah our, our our owner officially was sanctioned to own the team. He's his net value is fourteen billion dollars. The Giants owner is the next richest at four billion. So he's gonna be buying Real Muto. Join the Mets. Bauer join the Mets, dude. Oof, I can't wait till this all season. Be good. Yeah, nothing's gonna happen. Shut up. It's New Year. All right. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Hopefully, three and two, another big win. This episode's and- long enough to last till next week. That's true. See (laughs) y'all. Beat the Tigers.